When you're hiring, it feels amazing to finally close out a job search. But what if you could get rid of the search and just match? You can with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Some people just know the best rate for you is a rate based on you with Allstate. Not one based on the driver who treats the highway like a racetrack and the shoulder like a passing lane. Why pay a rate based on anyone else? Get one based on you with DriveWise from Allstate. Not available in Alaska or California, subject to terms and conditions. Rates are determined by several factors, which vary by state. In some states, participation in DriveWise allows Allstate to use your driving data for purposes of rating. While in some states, your rate could increase with high-risk driving. Generally, safer drivers will save with DriveWise. Allstate Fire and Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates North Park, Illinois. This is the Sooner Sports Podcast. Your all-access pass to Sooner Sports. The Sooner Sports Podcast is presented by Allstate. Are you in good hands? And by Riverwind Resort. Riverwind Resort, the place to be. Oh, mama! What a play! Now, here's your host, Chris Plank. All right, we have to start with the most important question from the weekend. How was it broadcasting in 90-plus heat with no AC? None. That's as hot as I've ever been calling a game, and it was Ames, Iowa. <laughs> now we're we're talking Arizona or something that might make sense, but Ames. Dallas, yeah, Ames. And this just turnaround turnabout's fair play because you guys on the sidelines have to deal with the elements every ah. week, and we live in the lap of luxury up there with uh, air AC, conditioning, soda, people feeding us grapes during commercial breaks. <laughs> but Saturday the tables were turned because. Yeah, there, there is no air conditioning in the press box, and it was a morning game, so the sun was coming in. And our new radio booth, which is great in, at Iowa State, but it's completely surrounded by windows, and it served as a bit of a microwave. I mean, it was cooking in there. So, um, yeah, that's just – we had sweat, like, all over our papers had oh sweat gosh. on them, and uh, things kept sticking to my elbow. Like, I'd lean on the table, and a paper would stick to my elbow, and then I'd be trying to get it – all of our computers overheated – um, my laptop, Stats's laptop overheated, so we had to like, we had to cool them off first, and then we had to put them back underneath Michael's desk. Oh gosh! And open them under there. So we anyway, nobody cares about this stuff. It was hot. It was fantastic. What do you mean? No one cares. I it think was it's hot. huge. It was hot. We overcame though. Do you know what was a problem down on the field? This might be something people care about. Mosquitoes. I know that was weird, wasn't it? Mosquitoes. I don't know where it came from. I didn't ask any of the players about it today. Maybe I should have. Maybe someone should Did ask. Did you have a bunch of bites? I, you saved the day. What was you, – you? I still have one of the packages if you want it. They're off wipes. How, random that you even had them, right? A little bit random. Uh, we bought them for our cruise this summer because you can't travel with, like, giant mosquito can spray. Right. Mosquito can spray cans. Gotcha. Okay? Well, that was hard for me to say for some reason. You hit it, though. Uh, TSA, you can't travel gotcha. with these big spray cans. But they said in Alaska they have mosquitoes the size of horses, so you're going to want mosquito spray. So we bought these wipes that you can travel with, and I happen to still have some in my bag that Save I didn't the day. use. And then it was funny because as soon as I used it, I looked and they had just mosquito spray everywhere. <laughs> Sorry for the walk. <laughs> I couldn't find anything. Okay. All of a sudden, the managers made me feel in it good that I saved your life. <laughs> yeah, but you yeah. saved my life. Oh, ah, football. I guess we need to get to the game. Uh, I think I've come to a realization. 
And for maybe regular listeners of the podcast or either one of our radio shows or the broadcast itself, I think I'm a pretty big homer, Toby. Uh, Toby. I think I'm. Uh, I think I'm. I'm a homer because. Why? What makes you say that? Well, because I wasn't really upset after the defense's performance on Saturday. I get, and Ted, I thought if you haven't heard the post game show on the podcast it's fantastic with Rufus and Ted talking about tackling but I mean that's not that's a tough place to go play and they did a really good job and as Mike Stoops laid out what they did schematically in protecting their quarterback and I don't know I I just I think that's a Gabe talked about it a lot in the post game show you did enough things to where you feel really good there's enough things on film where you absolutely need to correct it and you came away with a win. So, I mean, I'm happy. How about you? I'm happy, too. Um, they lost to him last year. Th- this is true. <laughs> so, this is much better. This is a much better podcast. I think Iowa one. State um, is a very well-coached team. I don't think that they probably are in the upper half of the conference as far as talent goes. Agreed. But they are very well-coached. And we saw that last year when they didn't just beat Oklahoma. They beat TCU up there. They um, Oklahoma State beat them right at the end, right? Yeah, yeah. and that was a game when Zeb Nolan played. Yeah. The second half, he lit them up. Yep. I'm not going to try – I'm not here to tell you I think Iowa State is going to uh, contend to win the conference, but I think they're very well coached. And um, to beat them at their place is a good win. It's a good win. Uh, it's, you know, now – I think there are some things that are a little concerning coming out of that because the defense had looked so good the first two weeks. Oh, yeah. And I thought they were on their heels a little bit on Saturday. We saw them playing downhill and living in the backfield and constantly having pressure on the quarterback in the first two games and rallying to the football on the edge and gang tackling. Didn't see that Saturday as much. It looked like that due to play calling or for whatever reason that they were they were playing on their heels a bit and let Iowa State take it to them. Uh, the run defense was good. Um, for Montgomery to be held under 100 yards and that coming on the heels of them holding Singletary, the Florida Atlantic running back to under 100 yards, that's pretty good. Those are two of the best five or ten running backs in the country. I think both those guys are NFL caliber running backs. So, but the pass defense concerns you, and the and the tackling, especially there, concerns you coming out of Saturday. So I get it a little bit, and not so much that there deserves to be overwhelming waves of criticism. It's just you you had your hopes really high that this defense had made giant strides after games one and two, and I think the Iowa State game made you take a step back and go, mm, I don't know. Let's see. Uh, let's see if they have or not, because that you know, five three hundred and sixty yards passing by Zeb Nolan, and mm-hmm. you know that's that's more than you want to give up to anybody, much less a backup quarterback at Iowa State. I will say, there was a part of me on Saturday, and I I haven't really talked to Gabe about this. I'd be curious to uh, talk to some other people. You and I brought it up briefly this morning. That energy on the sideline lacked at times. And it's been really good this year. Now, granted, it doesn't have to be in a lot of second halves so far this year. You know, UCLA, Florida, Atlantic, you beat them up so badly through three quarters. You have second teamers in there in the fourth quarter, and everyone's getting to kind of enjoy football a little bit. But it really – it felt like it was an 11 a.m. game against Iowa State on the sidelines. And about midway through the third quarter, maybe early fourth quarter – they had to get together with the defense. Uh, we talked about it with Kenneth Murray. It's on Soonersports.tv right now. And brought everyone together. And that was the first time where I'm like, okay, let's go. Let, here we go. Here comes that energy. And the, some of the fans started chirping at him a little bit. And that's when that energy really started to ratchet up. I think two part of that, though, Toby, is I'm, I've had three years with Baker. So I'm used to Rob Rye. He's going to come over and fire the crowd. And that's not Kyler Murray. Now, he's special. Kyler Murray is special, as we've learned through three games. But he has such a different personality. So maybe that's unfair of me because we've learned so much about the different types of leadership. And just because we don't see guys losing their mind doesn't mean they're not fired up. So that was one thing that I've really 
even we talked about this at 8.50 this morning, and as we taped this at 1.30, I've still been kind of battling how to perceive that or whether or not that's on me, just building this perception of what is a fired-up team or if it truly was a team that kind of lacks some energy early. I can't speak to the sidelines. Uh, you were down there. I do think uh, an 11 o'clock kick is tough for two groups of people. One is the fans. Yeah, very much And the so, other yeah. is the visiting football team. Yep. Because uh, getting up there in the afternoon or evening as they do, getting everyone to bed way early than normally would and beds that aren't yours, I don't know what their wake-up call was, probably about 5.30 or so on Saturday morning. Uh, it's a 45-minute drive or so from where we were staying to the field. All that stuff that early in the morning to get your juices flowing is tough. No, not really an excuse. I guess it is an excuse. I'm just saying it's tougher on the road team than it is on the home team who rose out of their own bed and, and goes to the stadium and, and goes through a normal routine. I was impressed, though, with Kyler Saturday, big time. More impressed than anything he's done all year was that fourth quarter drive. And for him to play as well as he did on the road in his first true road game, and for him in the fourth quarter with – a one-score game, and if they give it right back to Iowa State there, who knows what happens. Mm -hmm. um, for him to drive him down the field on a seven-and-a-half-minute drive, make plays with his legs, make plays with his arms, not force it, take the check downs when they were there, and cash in, get the points that they had to have to put that game away. With composure, we keep saying it over and over, but poise and composure and maturity – was very impressive. It's the one thing still out there I didn't know about him was how is he going to react when he's in the fire? Well, I think that was good for them on Saturday because too. I wish they had blown him out. I wish, like everybody, they had blown him out and it wouldn't have been so close. But there's a time coming, and maybe it's in the Cotton Bowl or maybe it's in Fort Worth where you're going to be in a one-score game or a tie game or something in the fourth quarter away from home and have to deliver, and he's already done it once, you know? And not only does he know he can do it, but all those other guys know he can do it on offense. And so while it was closer than was comfortable on Saturday, I do think there are uh, there is something of great value about their quarterback that they took out of this game. It's close. We're tied. We need a drive. We're behind. Whatever the case may be, we know QB1 can deliver. Mm -hmm. He did it. He did it. Not only did he do it, Austin Seibert did it on Saturday, and that might pay off for him on down the line. Seibert made a clutch field goal in the fourth quarter to put a game away. There's going to be another time this year where he's going to be trotted onto the field in the fourth quarter to win a game or tie a game, whatever the case may be, and he's got positive vibes already running through his head because of what happened this week. Did you get the on-the-field interview with him? Or I did. Was it, okay. That was great. How fun was that? Yeah. One quick little side broadcast note. Next time we go to Ames, I must take the hotspot with me. I don't know what it is there, but there is no cell signal. We were all complaining we got about him. it. But you we got, got him. him. Yeah, between your emails and your texts, I got him. The cybered interview was, was fantastic. He was great, man. I He's always been that way. I mean, he is an extremely confident young man. Yes, he is. Yes, he is. I mean, I I think I don't think cocky is a bad word. For, no. for a kicker, he is as cocky as you'll find. I mean, he's confident. And you talked to him on the field right after the game, and he was feeling his oats a little bit about hushing up the crowd yeah. and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, I thought it was fun. I don't know if you could hear, too, when we were walking past and we were leaving – uh, we were walking right in front of some Sooner fans, and it was really cool to see how much they appreciated wh what he was able to accomplish. You brought up the drive to wrap the game up. Take me through your perspective because a part of me – a part of me, what am I talking about? I had gone down to the other end of the field because I looked up the clock and I saw, okay, we got about 45 seconds here. We get Lincoln now at halftime. I want to be there when he comes off. I don't want to be running down to the other end of the field. Be like, <gasps> Lincoln, you know, I wanted right. to be there set up and ready to go. And as I'm watching the clock tick. Talking about the drive to end the first In the first half, half yeah. Okay. As I'm watching the clock tick and I'm seeing the pace with which they're moving, in my mind I'm thinking, are we settling for three here? But that was as deliberate and impressive of a drive as I've seen. They used every second possible. It, it was – I agree with you. 
they, I think they they went to half with two timeouts in their pocket, right? <laughs> I think you're right. Yes. Because I, I kept saying on the drive, well, they got two timeouts because the clock was going. They weren't didn't seem like they were going with tremendous urgency. We're under 30 seconds. We're under 20 seconds. <laughs> but, I mean, when they started that drive, I remember saying on the radio, there's two goals here. One is to score because they were going to get the ball first to start the second half. And the other was don't leave any time for Iowa State. Well, I mean, mission accomplished. I mean, they milked it to the final uh, second. I think they left them, I don't know, three, four seconds at the end, but not as well executed. Um, Kyler was fantastic on that drive. I thought Hollywood obviously had a historic first half. CD and and, uh, Marquise have kind of taken turns this year and having the big games, and this was his opportunity. Carson Meyer got him a catch for the first time this week. Still haven't really seen Grant Calcaterra be, I think, as big a part of this offense as as he can be. And the running game, I thought, was good, not great. And that's two straight weeks where there haven't been a lot of chunk plays. There's They ran fine. What, they have 170 yards or something like that? I have stats right here in front of me. They ran okay, uh, and especially when you factor in Kyler. But um, it wasn't a dominant performance on the ground. So I think they're – is some improvement that can be made there. Uh, I'm glad that Marcellius Sutton is okay. When he went down, it looked bad. Can, can we touch on that real mm-hmm. quick? Uh, by the way, the total rushing yards for Oklahoma versus Iowa State was 171. 179 against UCLA. 316 against Florida Atlantic. So you're right, the chunk play wasn't there. I – don't know on the Marcellius Sutton play if there's ever been an injury that when it happened, I've been more confused about what actually had happened. And when you then watch the replay, and we have spotter, we have our spotter as well too, the thought was that he had taken a knee to the helmet, and he did. Looked like it, yeah. Uh, Or at least I shouldn't say he did. It appeared that way. And from our perspective on the sidelines, we thought he was KO'd. We thought he was – So did I. Okay. And I think there was many in that stadium that did. I I know this sounds crazy, but when he got up and it was just a leg injury, I don't know if I've ever been happier. Sure, yeah, for a dude ever. And then Gabe brought up a really good point. Gabe Eichert, who's joined us on the sidelines this year, he's you know, he's had a couple of serious knee injuries, and he said sometimes when you're in a situation like that and you have an injury, your body I don't want to say it goes into shock, but it'll stiffen up and maybe. There was the fear that when he felt that in his leg, that he had suffered something catastrophic. So yeah. it gave the and, and I saw there was a couple people that said, "Oh, it looked pretty obvious. He wasn't knocked out on TV." Well, great, we're watching it live yeah. in person. Congratulations it, to you. And it sure didn't look that I, way. I would to say us. the impression in the stadium was that he took a a, a knee to the head and was out right. because of the way he fell. He, he kind of fell limp to the ground. There's that. You could tell when somebody's body falls limp to the ground in, an, in a um, non-normal way. You saw the reaction of the trainers from both staffs. Sprinting. Yeah, from b- uh, both teams, uh, training staffs got to him immediately. If somebody has a lower leg injury, you don't normally see 15 trainers surrounding them. So there was the initial thought was this is, this is a bad. neck injury or a head injury of some sort. So I'm with you. When when it turned out he got up, I was like, okay, great, he's conscious. <laughs> and then when he actually walked off the field with a little bit of limp, Gabe, I believe, said, maybe it was you, said, guys, I think it might be a leg injury. Yep. And we were like, oh. Gabe, Gabe was all over that. Well, I hope it's not bad, but thank thank goodness. That's that's all it is. When, so. they, when they brought him over, and, and the only reason I'm bringing it up is because Lincoln was even asked about it today. And if you stick with us, the Lincoln-Riley presser is coming up as soon as we get done. And he's like, no, he didn't have a concussion. But – you can sense the way doctors look at each other, the trainers. Mm-hmm. And, I'm, and again, we don't report a lot of this on the air because it's not our place. But when Doc McGinnis was looking at Marcellus Sutton, he smiled a little bit and kind of nodded his head when he was looking at his knee. And I'll tell you what, Marcel, that's when he kind of came to life a little bit. He sat up a bit, then they started working on that lower ankle. So that moment when they realized it wasn't necessarily anything structural or catastrophic with yeah. his knee and they started working a little bit on the high ankle was probably one of the most reassuring moments I think I've ever had in covering an injury in Sooner football in the eight years now that we've done this. Because, boy, that at the moment when he went down, two times I've really been scared on injuries. When he first went down and then Joe Mixon in the Orange Bowl. 
Remember when Joe got yeah. knocked out by, on a crossing route? That was a scary moment from an injury perspective. But, man, I was so happy. And, Mars, hey, Toby, he's an important part of this offense now. No, oh, without a doubt. I mean, if they lo- if they would have lost him there, oh. then you're down to three backs. One of them's a freshman, one's a redshirt freshman. So, hopefully he's okay. He came back in the game. He had a highlight play before that on Saturday when he jumped a guy. Oh, and he got rocked. He, paid he got for hit too. hard. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I think um, – it's going to be interesting to see how the running game evolves, and I think you'll see Kyler be a bigger and bigger part of it as they go, especially in close games, and he's going to have to be smart, smart with that. Yeah, I mean, he they, really is. He's he really, going to have to get down when he when he can and get out of bounds when he can, but he's too big of a weapon. He's too dangerous not to utilize him. Do you hear what Marquise Brown said? I'd like to see my quarterback get hit. <laughs> That's a ride wide receiver. When I was asking him about his downfield blocking, he asking him about how gritty he was. You know, I don't like to see my guy get hit. All right, I want to bring up – gosh, we've already gone 20 minutes, and I don't feel like we've hit the crux of everything. Right. See, this is what happens Let's when I start crux. talking heat in the press box. Looking ahead, uh, Army this weekend, unique challenge sure. with the triple option and what they attack. Uh, we'll have Mike Stoops on the Coach's Corner this week, and you'll be able to hear that here on the podcast. But – there's a lot of cool history around this game, too. You had a chance to sit down with some of the legends from when Bud Wilkinson's team won in the Polo Grounds, which, what, OU was coming off four or five losses in a row? Whenever they, they started did? that season 0-5. Wow. They had won the week before that game, so they were 1-5 and going into that Army game. And they found a way to win by breaking out the very first, I guess you could say, reported instance of a no, of a no huddle. huddle offense, yeah. but all that said, and the the history, this is this is a, a very unique challenge from a team that when we watched them in week one, we automatically thought, oh, this is not going to be a problem. They went and beat an okay Liberty team, and then they beat Hawaii last week. Win. They've already accounted for more passing yards through three games than they had all of last year. They won a bowl game last year. I mean, yep. this is a, a quality, obviously disciplined program. Um, there's some fascinating numbers in this game. You know, in that bowl game victory last year, they beat San Diego State down in Fort Worth. Army had the ball for 46 of the 60 minutes in that game. They are wow. averaging right at 40 minutes per game time of possession this year. Averaging. Mm-hmm. So two to one time of possession average. Um they threw the ball in that San Diego State game last year four times, completed one pass. This year, they, I think, had ten passes in their last game. So, like you said, they're mm-hmm. throwing it more. Now, more is not a bunch. They're still not throwing it a bunch. But this quarterback appears to be a little bit more dangerous in the passing game than they've had in recent years. But, the, uh, you know, it's a triple option offense, so that's what you get to prepare for. I thought the fascinating thing that Lincoln says in his – press conference coming up is they started preparing for this even back when they were bringing guys onto campus as scout team guys uh trying to find guys who had triple option high school backgrounds that's cool (laughs) so that when they bring them to scout team they are able to accurately run what army does now you can't do it to the quality or the speed that they executed at. So anytime you face a triple option team like this, like Navy or Army, the first few minutes, I think, are always really tough on a defense. Mm-hmm. Because what they saw in practice, no matter how well you prepared, doesn't look as crisp and fast as what you actually see in the game. I'm in Grant Wade's way. Sorry, Grant. <laughs> no one ever wants to be there. Uh, and then I'm sitting on but his as the game goes along, you tend to kind of, you know – Figure it out and, and catch up to the speed of it and stuff. So I always think the first quarter, even the first half of the first quarter, is critical when you face a team like this that, that plays a style you haven't seen before. It's going to be a fun test for this Oklahoma defense, I think. You think uh, you think Caleb Kelly's going to end up with a red shirt this year? I don't know. It's isn't that an interesting way, story? Yeah. I don't know. Uh, this has been quite the soap opera that we've been following since – fall camp and now here we are four weeks into the season and it's still kind of a soap opera I think he's as far as I can tell he's handling it oh yeah fine he's cool with it I haven't seen any I mean I don't know about cool with it I think he wants to be on the field but <laughs> yeah I, very true very true very he true. hasn't been difficult in any that I've heard in any way it's just 
I don't know. I, I don't know what they're going to do. I, I guess the thinking there is if uh, if they redshirt him, they get another year on the backside, and maybe Bolton is playing at such a high level that you know you're not taking him off the field and you can just have Caleb learn behind Bolton for a year and he still has an extra year of eligibility. Get more physical. Yeah, yeah it's – it's a very interesting situation. It's, um, I think we go back to what we said maybe last week. The way it should be taken, I think, is a credit to Curtis Bolton and not Amen. a detriment to Caleb Kelly. Because I think if, if they took put Caleb Kelly in the game right now and took Bolton out, that he'd play well. I think Caleb Kelly would play well. And Absolutely. I think he'd make plays, and he's got strengths that Curtis doesn't have and maybe doesn't do some things as well as Curtis does, but – he would play well, but Bolton is playing at such a high level that it makes no sense to do that. So rather than change his position again and try to get him to learn a new position on the fly or whatever, that maybe they just ask him to sit for a year and learn and and see if it helps out on the backside of his career uh, be a little bit better. Maybe it's a magnification of how – far back the injury and the surgery actually set him maybe in this so. off season too maybe and then one more prediction I think the next guy we start seeing a little bit more of maybe Braden Willis after hearing the way that Lincoln Riley talked about him today he wow. looks good in a uniform he does doesn't uh, he he's he's got an NFL body and um they got three quote-unquote tight ends in Calcaterra and Morris and Willis that are good-looking players and I think Calcaterra could be a star. I think he could be an NFL type guy, but he better watch his back. You know, I mean, if he he fumbled on Saturday and and they took him out of the game and put Lee Morris in there for a while, and they got another really good option in Braden Willis too. So they've recruited well at that position. Willis was kind of a last second find, and it looks like he may turn out to be quite a find, uh, whether it's this year or on down the line. So no, I like. That's uh, a good story. All right. Good long podcast today. Are you excited about this week? This should be a fun week. I, I am. Think. I am. I think it'll be a fun week. We've got a special event on campus on Friday night that I get to be a part of. Oh, that's where cool. we're welcoming a bunch of uh, Army dignitaries. And then the actual uh, – there's the thing where President Gallagher and Patty Gasso and a bunch of people are jumping out of an airplane on Friday with the Black Daggers. Wow. Uh, the, the elite um, – special ops unit for uh, the Army. And then the game, I don't even know what all is going on, but I know there's going to be a lot of pageantry. There's going to be thousands and thousands of current and former military personnel there. Um, I think it's going to be one of those uh, games that gives you chills. Want to be there kind of game. Yeah, yeah, I think you're definitely going to want to be there. I think the, the game will be great, but everything even around the game I think is going to give people uh, chills on Saturday night. I can't wait. I have faith that Patty Gasso is going to go through with her jump out of the plane. I have faith. Is there a question about that? I just – I don't know. I mean, I I could see I could see maybe she's an arm clutch. injury. No, she's clutch. She'll do it. Well, she she's is tough. clutch. There's yeah, no doubt about that. All right, uh, Lincoln Riley Press Conference is now. Uh, thank you guys for being here today. Um, quick review of the, the uh, Iowa State game. Uh, one of the things I don't know that we really didn't cover uh, Saturday after the game, but that we really felt like was a strength. I'm very, very happy with how our, we played on the defensive line in the game. Uh, specifically, you know, Kenneth Mann, Monty Bledsoe, and Neville Gallimore, you know, played, and I would throw Dylan Fomital in that as well. Those four guys played just combined as strong a game as we've played on the defensive front. In, in some time. You talk about just a combined effort. Those guys were outstanding. Um, and we were little, you know, the, the depth wasn't as good as, it, as it's been with Lott and Overton and, and those guys out. And, and so, the, you know, three of those guys took a lot of snaps, uh, you know, in those conditions against a challenging offense. And they, they, they did a great job. I mean, you know, to hold them, what we did rushing, the, you know, as far as our rush defense, even with not tackling the way that we wanted to, I think was, you know, you can directly attribute that to, to how well those guys played. So going, that's not something you can always see during the game. But going back and watching the film, I thought those four guys were outstanding. So very, very pleased with the way, you know, that we've played there. And, you know, I think some of the things we've talked about as far as that defensive front, the mentality, uh, you know, you see it's really growing in that area. So I'm excited about the way they played and, and continuing to continuing to improve there. But 
you know, it's one of those games, again, you kind of look back, you're, you know, in, in some respects, you're, you're disappointed in some areas because don't feel like that we just played our absolute best. Uh, but, you know, it's like we talked about in our staff meeting this morning, man, that was a big win. I mean, that was a big, big win. And so, I, you know, we're, we're thrilled with the win. We know that we've got to play better. We're going to have to continue to play better, and that's part of early season ball. But um, we're in a great position now and, uh, and excited here to, to get back at home, excited to finally play a kickoff that's, uh, you know, that's not noon or earlier. So, uh, you know, to have a 6 o'clock kick will be great for our fans, you know, great for our players. Our guys are excited about it, great for our recruits. Um, so it's, it's certainly time for one of those. And, Got a very good opponent coming in here. Uh, you know, a game that you know we've known for a while was going to be a challenge with with Army, and you know, just you know, Coach Munkin's done a great job there. I mean, you get a double digit win team, uh, a team that you know the first thing everybody wants to talk about is what they do offensively. You know, from a schematic standpoint, uh, with with running the triple, but they. Man, these guys are really good on defense, uh, and they run their offense just so. They're, they're so efficient with it. I mean, it's even with the new quarterback this year, they're throwing the ball probably better than they have in the past. They lost a guy that was a tremendous quarterback for them before, but they don't look like they've missed a beat. And, and like I said, the throw, the throw portion is maybe even more of a threat than what we've seen out of them in the previous few years. So, you know, you're talking about a team that knows how to win, a team that brought back a lot of players, a team that's very tough to defend, very multiple defensively. I mean, going to be a going to be a great challenge and then also I know it's exciting for you know a lot of our fan base especially from this part of the country you know getting to play a, a service academy uh, I know I think we've got a lot of great things planned you know from the administrative side to to honor you know all our veterans all our people that do serve you know that's certainly a, a factor here and it will be highlighted this week as it should so uh, I know looking forward to, to all that as well so um, yeah with that we'll go to questions. Uh, I heard a couple of national people say this weekend that it wasn't Baker or Kyler, not about their talent, it's about a system and that they're simply system players. <laughs> yeah, it's the same argument we've been having for years and years and years. I mean, it's it takes it takes everything. You if you got really good players and don't have a good system, it's not going to work. And if you got a great system and not very good players, it's not going to work either. I mean, to to do it at the level that we've been able to do it, you know, you got to have really good players. You got to have a good system. You got to have everybody on the same page. And uh, so, you know, those guys, you know, are two tremendous players. I mean, there's no denying it. I mean, one guy was just the number one, won the Heisman, and was the number one pick in the NFL draft. You know, and, and the guy we're playing with right now is playing at a very high level as well. So, you know, I'd, that's that's always kind of been, the you know, the discussion. Um, you know, I think we got really good players and a really good system. Um, Mark Jackson's become one of your leading tacklers. What kind of has his emergence meant to your defense? Yeah, it's been it's been key, you know, especially with, you know, the, the whole situation with Addison Gums, injury, and then the transfer. And, and the fact, you know, we were – you know, had some youth there and replacing obviously a really, really good football player from the last couple of years. And that's, that's, that position has been a strength of our defense for a long time now. And so Mark's done a really nice job. You know, we've been pleased with the way he's played up to this point. Uh, he's been physical. He's held up in the run game. He's, you know, he's always had, you know, pretty strong ability as a pass rusher. And I think he's getting, as he's taking all the snaps that he is, I think he's getting even more comfortable and loose um, and able to play more athletic, which he is. And so uh, he's done a great job. He really has. He, and the fun thing for him is, I mean, he can play a lot better. And uh, so Mike's done a really nice job getting him ready to play and, and uh, happy with his progress. Lincoln, uh, you know, you and Mike both talked about it wasn't a good tackling day for you. But in this day and age, limited roster, two hours a day, uh, how do you work on tackling, or how do you come back the next week and try to get better at it? Well, you just you just make it an emphasis. I mean, I think it's some of it's physical and some of it's mental. You know, there's some fundamental things that we need to do better that we're going to spend a lot of time on this week. And knowing, obviously, how important it's going to be this week with this group we're getting ready to face. And then I think it's also, you know, you always kind of battle as a coach. You know, and playing some of the teams we have the last few weeks and the challenges they present schematically of how much, 
how much time do you spend on scheme? How much time do you spend on fundamentals? You know, where's, you know, there's always some give and take. There's times where you feel, you know, you feel like you spend too much time on fundamentals and maybe there's something schematically that you weren't prepared for. And then, then you, you know, if you cut the fundamentals just a little bit, then you feel the leakage there. So it's, you're, it's, it's constant. It's, it's, it's ever changing. It's, you evaluate your guys each week, you decide, you know, kind of what they need, what we got to get better at. That obviously exposed, you know, that, that we got to do a better job there. And we've got a great plan to get that done this week. Yeah, Lincoln, as, as you've had so much success running the ball, uh, are, teams, are teams starting to scheme to, to stop that a little bit better? Is that getting tougher to, to run the ball? And if so, do you have to kind of be in constant evolution mode to, to stay ahead of that? No, I, don't, I wouldn't say it's been tougher. Um, no, I don't feel that. I, you know, teams have tried a lot of different things against us over the last few years, so you certainly are always – you always have to have some type of answer. You know, if people are going to try to be aggressive and take something away, you have to be aggressive right back at them. And so we've, whether that's running, whether that's throwing, you know, whatever that is, you, you have to have things you can hurt people with. And so we've, uh, no, I don't see anything, you know, new that we're seeing right now or any more challenges than we've ever had. It's it's still always difficult to run the ball. I mean, it's, uh, it's always the first thing that every defensive coordinator in America wants to stop. And, uh, and it takes a lot of people on the same page to do it well, you know. And so, uh, no, I think we're, you know, I think we're right on course. We've we've ran the ball solid here the first three weeks, uh, first three games, very much kind of like we did last year at this time. We we've been so close to breaking so many that all of a sudden you any of these games you throw in you know one more fifty or sixty yard run, and then the whole the whole stat line looks different, the whole perception's different, and we've been just. I mean, ag agonizingly close, and and we're going to get there. You know, we're going to get there. We we had kind of the same thing last year. We didn't have really any big runs, from what I remember, until maybe the Tulane game. I think maybe Abdul pop, popped one, maybe in the Tulane game. That was one of the first you know big long runs that we had that season. So it takes some time, and we're close, and we're eventually going to start popping the big ones. John in the back on the tackling, Lincoln. Uh, <laughs> Kenneth Murray said that you guys have elements of tackling segments throughout practice or, or throughout the week in practice. Um, if you're coming off a bad day like Saturday, do you add elements? Do you add segments of, of tackling drills or how do you emphasize that? How do you add the emphasis? Yeah, no, it's it's through practice structure. You know, I think it's you, you find you, you just sit there. You can't sit there and say, well, we just tackle bad. It's, you know, why did we not tackle well in these instances? Sometimes it's fundamental. Sometimes it's something schematic or a guy reacting to something that he needs to, understanding where his help is. There's, there's a lot that goes into it. And so uh, we found some key areas. We'll make some adjustments through practice to, to address those areas. You've, you've had a lethal combination of, of Kyler Murray to uh, Hollywood Brown. It seems like Hollywood has made a, a step up is already good. What what has been a key there, and what what makes them special? Yeah, they've they've always had a good connection. You know, Kyler had some nice completions to him last year too. You know, in some of his mop up times. So, uh, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, he's he's open a lot. I mean, he's just so fast. You know, and he's and he's really just on top of being fast. We've said a lot of him. He's just really become a good player too. You know, I mean, he he's running well after the catch. He's he he's really comfortable with what we're doing. You know, from a system standpoint, so we're able to we're able to move him around. You know, a lot of different ways. Uh, you know, create matchups, and so uh, and and he can handle that. So, and I think the other big part of it is, you know, we the threat in the run game, and then the threat that having you know C.D. Lamb and Calcaterra and A.D. Miller and you know a lot of our other receivers that are playing well right now. It's just it's hard to put all your attention on one guy with the way we're doing things. Lincoln, you said last week you're really happy with the four running backs that you have. Then Sutton goes down, and you realize how quickly that depth can change. How close is someone like Kennedy Brooks to being a bigger part of the game? Oh, very close, very close. I mean, I think, you know, you saw kind of how the running back deal went last year, and then all of a sudden somebody broke through. So I don't know who it's going to be, but I'm sure at some point we'll have somebody just really, really break through and just completely take the thing over. And so, uh, those guys are talented, you know, him and Pledger, uh, you know, they, 
there's some things we've seen that you guys haven't seen with them yet that get you pretty excited, you know, and so the, they've got to continue to grow. But Kennedy's been one of our most explosive runners here, you know, behind the scenes for for a while. So I'll be, you know, I'll be excited when his opportunity comes. Barry? Yeah, talking about that, say, coach, maybe somebody might take it over. It looks to me like Trey Sermon's been a really good player yeah. last year and this year. I mean, what, what more does he have to do to – to be that guy. Yeah, no, I mean he's he's definitely our he's definitely our one right now. Um, I think a little bit is just seeing how he handles the whole deal, uh, which he did a great job of it. You know, here in the, you know the first game against Iowa State. Um, you know, and I think he he himself was really close. He had some really good tough runs for us. He had a couple of long runs. One got call, called back by the penalty, but I think he's really close himself to to breaking loose and and making even a few more explosive plays for us as well. So. No, he's he's definitely one right now. I mean, I don't think there's any doubt, but I, you know, we're going to need more and and I think we, you know, that that can certainly the that can certainly change as we go forward. You know, those other guys are talented too and like I said, I'd be excited for them to get their opportunities and see what they do. You know, as an offensive-minded coach, how much do you appreciate an attack like Army? It goes really against the grain of what college football is about and the players that buy into that system. Yeah, no, I appreciate it a ton because they they believe in what they do. They do it at a high level. You know, we've, you know, there was a lot of years there that we thought offensively they were probably the team that we were the most similar to through the years at Texas Tech, just because of you know distributing the ball and not having a thousand different plays and you know just trying to get really good at a few things. So the it looks radically different, but the core beliefs of it are very similar to what we carry with our guys too. So, but no, it's. I mean, it's a it's a great system. It's it was a great system, you know, 30, 40 years ago when people started to do it. That's a great system now. It'll be a great system in, in 40 more years too. I mean, it's 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 good football, and they they play it at a high level. How much of a challenge is it to simulate what they do offensively in practice? It's a challenge. No, it is. It's. Uh, that's one of the that's one of the toughest challenges, and so uh, you know you've got to you got to be creative with your roster. Um, that's something that we looked at well ahead of time, even even as much to you know looking at the guys that we're bringing in, what they played in high school, you know what they you know guys that had any experience with it. So uh, you know we'll see how the week goes. We think we got a pretty good plan with it, and uh, the good thing is you know when you play a team like this, you know our guys are. You know what we do offensively is probably fairly difficult for them to simulate as well. So both teams are dealing with that. And Lincoln, uh, you had freshmen coming into the year who looked like sure thing guys who probably wouldn't redshirt. Was Braden Willis one of those guys in your opinion? And if not, what has he done recently to put himself in position to be a guy that looks like he can help you throughout the year? Yeah, we we probably knew the least about him of any signee that we had just because we we got on him so late and 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 that thing just kind of came together right there towards the end but so I, we knew he was going to be a good player or felt we really felt obviously comfortable with that but we didn't know exactly what he was going to be and that clarified pretty early for us and uh yeah he's just Man, he's really attentive. He's very very mature for his age. Uh physically he's good. Um He's done some really nice things for us on special teams, and we're going to continue to find ways to get him involved offensively because he's a he's a little bit different talent than what we have at some of these other positions. And so, uh, yeah, he's just he's carried himself the right way. You know, he's, he prepares like he's been here for a few years. So he'll he, he's one of those guys that you could definitely foresee as the year goes on having a bigger and bigger impact for us just just overall. Yeah, Sauber makes all three of his field goals, puts all his kickoffs through the end zone for touchbacks, and was good in the punting game. How valuable is that having a, a guy like him? Oh, I mean, it just changes the game. I mean, he changed the game a lot of times. I mean, yeah, the kickoffs are a game changer. The punts were obviously just critical, and then you know, the field goals were. I mean, as important as anything. So yeah, he's a. He's a game changer. And again, we've said it a lot, but it's, you know, I, I hope people appreciate him for what he has done and what he's going to continue to do for this team through this year. I mean, it's hard to do, and it's just very, very rare. And he's done it at a, at a, just a, a very, very high level. And you could argue, you know, maybe you could argue maybe that game the other day, you know, just looking at the perspective of all three, maybe is the best game that he's played here. Myron on the 
Where is uh, Marquise Brown? You were talking about him earlier. Where's he gone from, say, when he got here last year to now? I think people look at him as just a speed guy that will run by you. Yeah. But the other aspects of his game, route running, catching and traffic, things like that, how's he progressed in that area? Yeah, I mean, he doesn't, he doesn't weigh 144 pounds anymore. Um, he's physically gotten a lot better. Uh, you know, he's bought into the weight room. He's placed stronger. He's able to block. He's able to run through some tackles now. I think a little more durable. Um, he's learned to use his speed as a weapon, but not all the time when he got here. Everything was – it was always fast. You love that. I mean, you would – you would much rather have a guy that's playing fast all the time and you got to pump the brakes on him a few times as opposed to a guy that's not. But he was just out of control when he got here. I mean, he was falling down on routes. It was fast, but it was just like, oh, you know, you got a, you got a great weapon, but you got to learn how to use it. And he's, and he's learned that. And uh, he's just worked hard, man. He's worked hard and he's been become extremely reliable catching the ball, you know, very confident hands. And, and again, and I would just say his knowledge base where he came in as a receiver, Incredibly raw, and he's he's playing right now like a much more polished guy. Now, Lincoln, you have a guy on your staff and Tim Kish who knows firsthand not just the kind of football they play up there, but the kind of kids that are in the program. And I'm wondering, I know you talk to your guys about respecting the opponent every week. I get that, but I'm wondering either you or, or, or Coach Kish use who you have coming in here this weekend as, as an opportunity to address just how unique this this opponent is in that respect. Most definitely. No, we, we understand this is in so many ways. It's, you know, the respect that we have for for all of our service academies for what these guys do. I mean, we we know how hard it is just to be a division one athlete, you know, and 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 go to school and do all the things you gotta do there. And on top of it, you put on all the different responsibilities that these guys have. I mean it's it's something that, that has been discussed. It's something that will be discussed. I mean, I think the, the respect for what they do, the respect just simply for them as a football team um, is, is there. It's, it's been an emphasis. Coach Kish has certainly been a big part of it because, like you said, he's got a pretty unique perspective into that. So uh, this, this is an important game for so many reasons, uh, important to us. I know it'll be important to Army. It's important to this state, and uh, it's, it's a special one. Uh, so you talked about how well they execute offensively, how well they know their offense. Uh, after three weeks of playing offenses that, you know, maybe not their own fault, they had different quarterback situations, but after three weeks of playing offenses that are kind of a little bit in flux, is, is that the biggest challenge of this week, is playing an offense that you know is not going to make any mistakes? Yeah, you know, we hope they, we hope they make some mistakes. Um, you know, hopefully we make them make some mistakes. Uh, but, yeah, it's – their whole team's a challenge. Like I said, the offense gets all the, you know, the publicity and all, and it's the main talking point because it's unique. But I mean, these guys are darn good on defense too. I mean, their their special teams are very solid. I mean, they're they're just a, they're a very good football team. So, I think the whole thing is a challenge. Now, no doubt the offense is unique, and and we're gonna have to adapt well, and our guys are gonna have to understand how we want to attack them and how we want to defend them. But you know, they. It's not a one-man show. I mean, these, these guys have a good football team. If, if you're only good on one side of the ball, you don't win 10 games like they did the year before. You don't play the quality of ball that they've played just as a team. So it's going to be a challenge all the way around. Lincoln, um, unless I'm mistaken, you've never coached against a, a triple option team uh, at East Carolina. Or yeah, Texas we played. Uh, yeah, we had uh, Navy. Okay. Yeah, maybe three years, maybe. How do you go about preparing to face it as far as you know the balance like you've talked about a couple times of preparing but not over preparing you know in preseason camp things like that and just the way you attack it uh, defensively yeah no it comes there's a lot of things that are factors there I think I think when you play them you know what part of the season I think is definitely a factor I think schematically you know kind of what your plan is going into it you know and just how unique or how different that is from what you do on a you know against you know other more uh you know kind of normal offenses i guess you say now um you know the, where you think your kids are at and your players are at you know it's mentally you know there, there's a lot of things that goes into it because you do kind of have the push and pull of 
how much do you work a team like this? How much do you work the you know offensive schemes that you're going to see more from every other opponent that you play? Um, don't know that I want to sit there and discuss how much that we've worked them, but uh, it's those are discussions that have been gone ongoing since uh, shoot, since the day spring ball started. Yeah, Coach, how big were the wins by Oklahoma State and Texas over the weekend for the perception of the Big Twelve? Uh, yeah, they were good. I mean, it's, I, you know, I want our league to do well. Um, but I, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm confident in this league. Like I've said, I, I believe in this league. I know we have good football teams. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm happy our league did well. But just, you know, we're just kind of trying to get our own group ready right now. Yeah, the, uh, the defensive back play, particularly the corners, had some good moments, had some rough moments Saturday. Any change in the rotation or anything you're going to do different there? Well, I mean, we, yep. considering you're playing a team that's 100, 100 degrees reversed, right, right. what difference does it make this week? But any going forward, have you done any rotational changes? Yeah, I don't know that I would announce any changes right now, but we're, you know, we've got some. We've got some depth there, especially with Trey Brown. You know, we're going to continue to keep that situation like we're trying to do everyone on the team right now, you know, very competitive. And if if guys are playing at a high level, they're going to continue to play. And if they're not, other people are going to be in there. So, uh, you know, we just we've got to play more consistent. Like like you said, our corners had some really bright moments the other day. And uh, but then we had a few that again, you're going to give up a competitive catch every now and then. The biggest thing for us, we got to get people on the ground. And uh, so that's uh, you know going to be a big emphasis point. And you know if guys don't tackle, then they won't be on the field. Yeah, Lincoln Marcellius uh, Sutton took a, just a savage hit the other day. Mm -hmm. uh, what was your first reaction when you saw the hit? I know he came back in the game, but is he okay today? Uh, did he suffer any kind of uh, I guess neurological event or anything like that? He showed some of those symptoms yeah. of almost, almost a concussion. No, no, I think he's good. No, no, no concussion. He's he came back in. We wouldn't have, you know, we wouldn't have got him back in the game if there'd have been any signs of a concussion. That one's uh, we pulled the plug on those pretty quick. And so, uh, no, he came back fine. I think his one maybe scared him a little bit more than anything. Um, but he's a man. He's a tough kid, you know. So once he got over there, had a chance to talk to our medical team. He always good. So yeah, I anticipate having him. Someone told you before the season, after three games, Kyler's numbers would be exactly what Baker's numbers were. I, I, first off, I wouldn't have been able to tell you what Baker's numbers were. Um, I just don't look at it in the comparison. If somebody would have told me three games in, he's playing at a very high level, would I be surprised? No. Am I surprised? No. Um, I'm excited about the way he's playing. Kind of like, kind of like Mark Jackson. I he can play a lot better too and he's going to continue to get better but he is playing he's playing the position at a high level right now he's playing plenty good enough for us to win and uh and I think he's going to do nothing but get better but I'm I'm not surprised at all James how well has your offensive line played up to this point you know a couple of times you've indicated you think they can still play a lot better yeah. or they should how did they play Saturday, and where do they? Where do you think they're at right now? Yeah, kind of almost, almost kind of the same answer. You know, they're they're playing good. Uh, we haven't played a great game yet up front. I I don't know. We played pretty we played pretty good against FAU um, up front. I would say uh, last couple of games we've had a, a few things that that we need to do better, um, but. You know, we got high expectations for that group. You know, we expect them to play at an elite level, and they've played very good, but we haven't played elite yet. And, and one of those, again, that I think we're we're very close to kind of busting through and playing the way that we want to play. And so, uh, you know, there's some, even though some guys that have played some ball, there's some new faces, and, and you can just, you can see we're almost completely in sync, but not quite there yet. So we got to push hard and, and uh, do everything we can to get over the hump. Lincoln. Um... Could you? I know he had the fumble over the weekend. Could you just talk about Grant Capcatera, kind of where he is, just the things that he does um, that you like? I mean, is is it just a matter of time before he kind of breaks out, in your opinion? Yeah, you know, he he uh, didn't get many opportunities, maybe none in the first game. It was just that game was a little a little different and. Made a few catches, I think, against UCLA. You know, had a couple the other day. Obviously, the fumble was a was a disappointing play, but he's uh, 
Yeah, he's doing some good things. You know, I think he's kind of on that list of guys that, you know, it's probably just a matter of time. You know, he's uh, he's definitely progressed as a player. Um, just the, you know, a, the, a ton of balls have just not, you know, found his way yet, but they will. It's that's just how that's just kind of how this thing goes. He's, uh, you know, and as Marquise and those guys continue to produce on the edge, I mean, it's going to create some some good opportunities for him as we go forward. Coach, I'm curious if you saw the punt return by North Texas I the I other day. What it's you awesome. thought about that? It was <laughs> awesome. It was awesome. I was jealous. It was good. Yeah, it was good. No, it was smart. It was. I tell you what, it was. Is it was just. It was gutsy. Not as much. I mean, by the coaches for sure, and obviously, great job by them schematically. But you tell a kid, you got to stand back there, not wait for a fair catch. If one of the guys doesn't see it and just plows you into the ground, there's got to be some trust on that guy's part. So I give I give the returner a ton of credit because he had the he had to have some some guts to hang in there on that one. But yeah, it was great design and. Took advantage of something that you know maybe people you know assume sometimes. So uh, yeah, it was a big play for them. Do you talk to your guys about that about not assuming things, the oh, fair catch things more, like that? More than you can imagine. They probably get tired of us saying it. When you say you're jealous, is it something like uh, you, you you open up the playbook and are more creative than probably anyone who's ever been here? I know you say that in jest, but uh, do you take it as a challenge each week to, to be more creative than you had been before? Yeah, no, I'm, I'm really jealous. That wouldn't be funny. I'm really, really jealous. Not me. I mean, you know, it's a, yeah, it's a, great, it's a great thing. And, you know, they did it at the right time against something that they saw. So uh, I think any time you can steal one for your team here or there, give them a chance for, for something like that, I mean, it, it just it energizes it. It, it sends a message that sometimes tough for the other team to, to come back from. So, no, nah, it was uh, it, it was really really good. Okay. Um, I'm curious about the you know Seth and in, in your relationship. That's kind of one of the earliest Oklahoma you know Leach crossovers. Mm -hmm. that's kind of carried through. How how well do you know each other? And, and would you call him a, one of your closer friends in the profession? Talk about Seth Latrell, I assume. Yeah, uh, yeah. Oh, real, know each other really well. Um, Several years together there at Texas Tech, I, I didn't. I think we'd met maybe once or twice before he came to coach with us there, and then uh, yeah, I had a really good run, uh, you know, with Seth there. You know, him and his wife Becca have been good friends of ours. You know, people that we stay in touch with. Um, you know, keep up with what they do at North Texas, and he's obviously done a tremendous job there. I mean, those guys are playing high level. They got several of our old guys there: Graham Harrell, our old quarterback; Joe Falani, one of our receivers. Um, but but uh, no no doubt but very close uh, you know stay in touch bounce ideas off of each other you know being two younger head coaches he's been you know one of the guys that's been been very good to talk to and and like I said kind of bounce our experiences back and forth off each other but they're yeah, great great friend and and uh, really proud and happy for the you know him the way they're that program's going right now. Uh, Lincoln Kyler has shown a unique unique ability to slide to stay out of trouble, but he's also in that last game, especially took a couple of hits. Didn't didn't slide to stay out of trouble. Where do you fall between letting Kyler be Kyler, let him try to get yards, and, and stay completely out of trouble sliding early? I trust his judgment. You know, so he's, his judgment's been good, and you know he's going to take one every now and again. But he's smart about it, so I I have zero reservations about the way he's doing it right now. That's pressure, Mike. Uh, you mentioned Saturday, possibility, Caleb Kelly redshirting the season. How, how did he handle that conversation? I can't believe that went to the last question. Um, thought we were going to get out of here, Mike. Um, he's, you know, it's, it's anytime we have that discussion with our players, it, it, it's that. It's a conversation. It's not you go sit down and this is what you're doing. Uh, uh, I don't want to get too much into the details of this one because I don't know how this one's going to play out, and there's some strategic parts of it as well. But uh, you know, I would just say in general for us, you know, we can sit there and make decisions all day, but if players aren't bought into them, then those de decisions aren't going to work, even if they're the right decisions. And so, we want our players, especially anything that has to do with their eligibility or redshirting or anything like that, we want them to 
we want to give them some ownership in the decision as well. You know, I don't, I just never feel like it's my place. I, I give them a recommendation. I'll tell them what, what I think's best, this or that. But I, I think if I just go make the decision or we as a staff just go make the decision, just tell the guys what you're doing. I, I don't know. I just, I just don't think that's the right way to do it. And uh, so uh, we've had good conversations with him. I would say that, you know, we're on the same page. We know this season could go about 100 different ways, you know, both for him and for this team. That's how it goes every year. And so we'll, we'll just kind of be ready to adjust week to week, and we'll see how it plays out. This has been the Sooner Sports Podcast. Make sure to get all the latest episodes online right now at Soonersports.tv slash podcast. And make sure to follow us on Twitter at OU on the Air. Some people just know the best rate for you is a rate based on you with Allstate. Not one based on Carol. She's more focused on hitting a high note than the car in front of her. Why pay a rate based on anyone else? Get one based on you with DriveWise from Allstate. Not available in Alaska or California. Subject to terms and conditions. Rates are determined by several factors which vary by state. In some states, participation in DriveWise allows Allstate to use your driving data for purposes of rating. While in some states, your rate could increase with high-risk driving. Generally, safer drivers will save with DriveWise. Allstate Fire and Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates Northbrook, Illinois.